Welcome to the first ever episode of Hanging Out with the Sports Dorks. I'm Brady Ruth, co-editor of the Sports Desk here at the Daily Emerald. We've got an awesome first edition of the podcast today. I've got four incredible guests with me, almost over half of our desk is here and we're excited to get going. Last year, we had the podcast going for a little bit. We're hoping to have it last all year this year. We've got some returning with Lily. Um, she'll be back on the podcast as well as three new members. We've got Mr. Joe Moore, Mr. Owen Murray, and Mr. Joe Krasnowski, but you might hear him, we us call him Baby J, Kras, really anything we can do to avoid calling him by his actual name. Um, so yeah, let's go around, kind of introduce ourselves a little bit. Baby J, how we doing? I'm doing great, Brady. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm just unbelievably excited to get started. I'm a freshman here at the school, so just ready to get going on the podcast. Joe? Yeah, I'm Joe Moore. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk about some duck sports. I am a junior here, and yeah, I'm excited to get talking. Mr. Owen? Yeah, I'm super happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm going to try to weave soccer into this somehow, but you know, we'll probably get it back to football. Lily? Hi, I'm Lily. Um, yeah, super happy to be here. I'm junior, my second year um, with the Daily Emerald. Awesome. So first episode today, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the fall sports that are happening around the University of Oregon. Obviously, football is going to be a big discussion point today. Big, big rivalry game with Washington on the horizon. But first, we're going to start off talking about soccer, and then we'll talk about softball a little bit before working into volleyball. So Lily has been doing an excellent job covering the women's soccer team despite their rough start. 0-10-2 to start the season, including 0-4 in the Pac-12. Lily, what's going on? (laughs) Well, I mean, the story of this team is really just the youth. I mean, half of, well, over half their team are like in their first year, um, 15 freshmen on the roster. So it's a very young team, a lot of inexperience. um, And I mean, they're playing in arguably, if not the best, one of the best conferences in all of women's collegiate soccer in the Pac-12. So tough competition they're going up against and it's they're hitting a hard learning curve well not only that but it it, from the looks of it the non-conference schedule was pretty challenging too um it's really not a whole lot of favors happening there but talk about the experience you've had covering this team what's that been like yeah it's been a really interesting and i'd say valuable experience for me i guess for a from a journalism standpoint i mean at the University of Oregon, most of our sports programs are these have a lot of history. They're winning programs, and so it's. I mean, it's difficult covering a losing team, um, figuring out how to get people, how to get Oregon fans to care about the team, is a challenge. So it's it's been difficult, but I've had a lot of fun with it, even though. <laughs> Even though, you know, there's not a lot of goals, um, it's been interesting to dig a little deeper into, like, the players' stories and what's really going on. Yeah, with the youth that you talked about, as well as the hard scheduling, are you surprised with the record so far this season? No, um, I would have I would have thought maybe they'd have at least one win, Um probably coming in the non-conference slate but I'm not terribly surprised because I mean their non-conference schedule that was like a lot of these players first experiences playing at this level collegiately Um, so it wasn't necessarily surprising that they couldn't 
pull together a win um, during that part of the season because they're learning how to play at this level and learning how to play together. And then you, and then to start Pac-12, like I said, it's a difficult conference. So th- there's been some slight improvements now, but it's the level of competition's gone way up. It's been a lot of fun to find some unique story angles, I guess, because like I said, this isn't a team that's winning on the field. So kind of, yeah, learning more about the players' stories and it's kind of the season is all about getting the team to buy in and not hit the transfer portal because, I mean, there's so many freshmen that if they stay together and they know how to play, because there's a lot of talented players um, on Oregon women's soccer. So if they stay with this program and learn to play together, it could be a really fun team to watch um, within a year or two. So, Absolutely. And you mentioned not winning on the field, but so does that imply that there are moral victories happening off the field? Like what are some things that are going right for this team still looking for its first win? I think especially as Pac-12 plays started, fans have started to see some of those improvements on the field that um, recently um, in their first homestand of the Pac-12 season, they scored their first goals at home of the season. And one game, they even had two goals, <laughs> which which was a big deal for them. And, I mean, you can just tell how much it means to those players to, to just see the ball go in the back of the net. For the first time all season, they seemed, like, actually really happy, like, at halftime they're all like dancing to shout and stuff which haven't seen that kind of enthusiasm early on um, which has been nice to see and yeah the offense has been starting to click together on the field because the defense has been pretty solid. So with those pieces kind of starting to come together a little bit despite the rough start what would you say this team's ceiling is for the rest of the year like what, what do you think is an obtainable goal that the Ducks can make? I mean, winning the Pac-12 isn't really, probably not in the cards at this point, Sure. probably not even finishing in the top half of the Pac-12 conference, but it's a team that can build a lot of confidence at the end of the season, going into the 2024 season, um, building that confidence to know that they could be at the top of the Pac-12 in 2024, maybe even make an NCAA tournament. So building up that confidence. And also, this is a team that could be playing spoiler down the stretch of the season. Like They could be the reason that some of these other teams don't make the NCAA tournament. So that will be something to watch out for. That would be fun to see Oregon kind of play spoiler. It feels like in a lot of other sports, Oregon is rather susceptible to trap games late in the year. But Maybe a trip to Eugene could be a trap game for some of these women's soccer teams throughout what is, like you said, one of the strongest, if not the strongest, conferences in the nation. Yeah, this team has doesn't really have anything to lose at this point, so that's what will make it fun. Thank you so much, Ali. Thanks for your coverage. You've been doing a great job. We'll come back to you when we get down to football, but I'm going to jump ahead in my notes real quick. We're going to talk a little bit about volleyball. Nina has is our, our other sports editor she's been doing a fantastic job with that couldn't be on the podcast today but she's been doing a great job with with volleyball coverage tough weekend for the ducks but also a good weekend for the ducks um 
was able to beat Washington 3-1 to last weekend, but then lost to a highly ranked Wazoo team 3-1. to And Wazoo, after that win, is now ranked number four in the AVCA rankings. Um, Oregon, despite the loss, Still ranked pretty highly. A lot of te- a lot of people, a lot of polls still really high on the Ducks. I mean, current ranking, fifth in the ABCA and number four in RPI rankings, 13-2, and two, including 3-1 and one in Pac-12 play. Volleyball has started the season really, really hot. I mean, I know that they went to, they went to Maui for a little bit and played a tournament down there. Played three games, played nine sets, won them all. Great weekend. At football practice the last few weeks, uh, volleyball head coach Matt Ulmer has spoken at football after some of the football guys and head coach Dan Lanning, who we'll get to a little bit later. Um, And he's got a bit of an interesting philosophy when it comes to his volleyball team and how he coaches it. Um, Baby Jay, I know you were there with me. Um, Can you walk us through a little bit of what Ulmer has said? Yeah, so recently Matt Ulmer has been talking a little bit more about how his view on the program kind of is a long game. Recently he said the full quote was that, we really don't talk about winning at all. I talk about process. I talk about doing the things that we need to do. If we do that, wins take care of themselves. And I thought that was really interesting because often in sports, you really see, especially in football, you see coaches think one game at a time. They go one game to one game. However, with Ulmer, he sees it as more of a long season approach. This recent uh, weekend was a perfect example of what Ulmer talked about. He said on the game Friday, he was more disappointed with the team's play but in the game that they won. However, on Sunday, he was uh, they lost the game, but he was a little bit more happy and pleased with the effort that the team showed. He mentioned that the uh, atmosphere and the altitude is going to be something that they're going to have to work on, especially as they go into this weekend slate again at Colorado and at Utah. Colorado historically is just a tough place to play. I mean, I, I grew up there. I've seen all kinds of really, really good teams come to town and have some trouble with it. Um, it's an interesting philosophy, though, and an interesting mindset that you mentioned, more focusing on almost moral victories and actual victories, which, don't get me wrong, the volleyball team is getting actual victories on the court, too. But maybe focusing on how the team plays. Interesting philosophy from head coach Matt Ulmer. We're excited to see how that continues to play out. Nina, I'm sure, will have continue to have great coverage from that for what already has been a good season and looks to be a promising season here in the fall. Upcoming schedule for volleyball Krasn mentioned at Colorado, Colorado's nine and six at Utah, Utah's seven and seven. And then the next weekend hosting Arizona, who's five and 10. And then number 23, Arizona State comes to town. The Sun Devils, they're 15 and one, three and one in the Pac-12. That's the biggest challenge on the upcoming schedule. But Pac-12 volleyball, just like we said with women's soccer, is a very, very good conference. And the Ducks are going to need to be on top of their game, both on and off the court as we move forward in the season. So that's volleyball. Talk a little briefly about softball. Fall softball season's coming up, and one thing I really think that the soccer team does well is partnering with a lot of really, really cool organizations. So for instance, this weekend, Oregon's first fall game against Corbin College is going to be the Maui Relief game. Um, Then later, October 14th and 15th, is going to be Sock Drive weekend when Boise State, Western Washington, College of the Siskiyous, and Oregon Tech come to Eugene, Oregon. No road games on the fall schedule. Everything happens in Eugene. And I do think it's interesting that when some of these other schools come on the same weekend, Jane Sanders Stadium, the, the Jane, will be hosting games between these other random opponents too. Boise State and Western Washington are going to play each other in Eugene. It will be a fun event. 
Go down, check it out. Sock drive weekend. Then October 18th, we've got toy drive game um, when the Ducks take on Western Oregon. And then the pink game and canned food drive. That'll be my, my personal favorite. October 22nd, when Southern Oregon and Mount Hood Community College come down, fans will be encouraged to not only come support Oregon as it gets ready to build off a season where it went to a super regional in last year's tournament. Oregon softball, a lot like Oregon baseball, got hot at the right time and put together a nice little postseason run. But fans will be encouraged to come check those out as well as contribute to some of these really awesome events. So, softball coming up. But let's be honest, the focus right now is football. Everyone across campus, everybody across media outlets, everyone across the nation is talking football. Are they talking Oregon football? Not really, with Colorado still existing. But there are some people, us, talking about Oregon football. So I'm going to welcome everyone back. We just wrote a cover story about what's going right with this Oregon football team. Because it kind of, despite being ranked in the top 10, kind of being undercovered, potentially. So let's talk about one thing that we've all really enjoyed, been been excited to see it so far. That was kind of the focus of the article. So I'm going to have everyone kind of go through, elaborate on what you said was going right. So we'll start with you, Joe. Uh, I mean, yeah, I talked about the aggressive play calling from the Oregon offense. When you're a team that has a lot of expectations going into the year, it's really easy to become complacent, take those punts on fourth and two, and Oregon has shown that they're not going to do that. Uh, they've gone for two in... I think it's three out of their five games already this year. And um, they've gone for it on fourth down a total of 10 times. And I, that fourth down, those fourth down conversions are highlighted by, of course, the uh, fake punt against Colorado from their own 17-yard line. Uh, when you have aggressive play calls like that, it's really tough for a defense to game plan against it. It is uh, very tough to predict what Oregon is going to do on any drive. And it's really easy for defenses to become complacent and get caught off guard because they're used to other teams that don't call plays like that. They don't go for a fourth down from their own 17-yard line. And so the aggressive play calling will continue to be a factor, it seems like, uh, throughout the rest of the year. And it could really catch a lot of these high-ranked opponents that Oregon has coming up off guard. Yeah, you and I were at that Colorado game. I was sitting next to you, and I honestly didn't even see the fake punt because I was already writing up a, a drive recap that said Oregon was getting ready to punt. And then we just heard this roar from Autzen, and I look up, and Casey Rogers pointing big first down after an 18-yard gain. Um, that and, and that's something that Lanning talked about in postgame that game when asked about the fake punt. Um, do you want to tell us what he said about that? Yeah, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but the gist of what he said was essentially – he said that he doesn't want to go for fake punts uh, when people are expecting it. I mean, nobody's going to expect a fake punt from your own 17-yard line, especially in a big game against Colorado. You might expect it to take a risk against like a lower-ranked opponent, but Colorado was ranked 19. And um, a drive like that just really sets the momentum. Oregon was already up 13-0, but that drive made it 21-0, and Oregon just really never looked back after that. Yeah, and I mean, the crowd's loving it, too, right? I mean, I remember for the first time, I went I went to a football game for the first time this year in Oregon, and I was like, wow, the whole student section left after a shout. At Colorado, they didn't leave. It was a blowout at that point, but you didn't see them leave, and I was like, wow, they're, they're, they're locked in, man. They're here for the team. And I think a big part of that is this team is just so exciting, and you know they're always going to go for it, right? Mm-hmm. 
And you mentioned already up 13 nothing in what was a big game. It ended up not being that good of a game, but a game that a lot of people were talking about. And for Oregon to do that, and then it leads to a scoring drive, and then score on the next drive, and then score on the next drive. Like, the Ducks were toying with the Buffaloes for a good chunk of that game. And that fake punt was kind of the first example. I guess there was a failed two-point conversion, but was one of the first big examples of that game, and it kind of turned into a theme of that game, which I don't know about you all. I'm happy to see it. Last year, it kind of came back to bite Oregon a little bit. There were a lot of really questionable fourth down conversion calls, fourth down attempts that didn't go Oregon's way, and it really hurt them, especially against Oregon State. So I kind of want to hear from you guys. Are you ha- are you encouraged by this aggressive play calling, or are you, does it concern you a little bit? I, I'm encouraged, especially against these tougher teams coming up. I feel like if Oregon's able to maintain being aggressive and, you know, there's a common sports uh, expression, stepping on the throat of their opponents, they're not going to toy around with teams like we saw late last year against Oregon State. They're not going to fall into these trap games. I feel like if they keep on having that same mindset, it's going to provide well for them in the future. Yeah, and I mean, kind of bouncing off that, what this team really has is mentality, right? And part of that is one of the most experienced quarterbacks in college football. So having Bo Nix on this team, not only as a Heisman contender, he's obviously an excellent, excellent quarterback. That's part of the reason this team is pushing their undefeated going into this Washington game, and he's one of their big advantages. But also, he's been around the block, right? He knows what it's like to play in big games. He's able to lead this squad with a few younger players in it in those moments where maybe they would have fallen apart last year. And that's kind of what I talked about in this article, the importance of having players in that team like him that can just calm it down, right? If it's a tough game, if it's close at the end, just take a moment, right? Absolutely. I mean, Bo Nix is the identity of this team, and he's also the offense. Things go well when he's on the field. Better hope he stays that way. Although, has spent a lot of time off the field. Exactly. Oregon's 5-0. and Backup quarterback Ty Thompson has played in four games so far. If Ty Thompson comes in in relief of Bo Nix, a healthy Bo Nix, in every, in every game this season, the Ducks are going to be able to look back on 2023 with big old smiles. Um, but you mentioned Bo. He's been having a good year. And part of that is he's got a ton of weapons. And that's something that I focused on in this last in this last article. I mean, I talked about how through the first five games, Oregon has 13 different players who have recorded receptions. And six of those players already have over 100 receiving yards. It's not just the three-headed monster of Bo Nix and Troy Franklin and Bucky Irving that we kind of anticipated as entering the season was going to be the the main workhorse. I mean, Bo Nix is spreading the love to everyone. And Troy Franklin talked about that after practice one day. He said, I don't really care if I'm getting the receptions. I mean, if I'm opening people up, if I'm opening up, up, up other receivers and we're having success because of that, I'm more than happy. And I think I think Kraz will talk about it later, but Bucky said something similar about it. I don't always need to be touching the ball. But Oregon wide receivers and tight ends, to that, to that point, have been a big, big part of this team so far. Six Ducks have found the end zone with receiving scores, and the Ducks haven't played a game yet where fewer than eight different receivers have recorded a reception. And this is just this this depth is going to be huge as the hardest part of the season and the most important part of the season approaches. Another important element for the Ducks going forward, especially as this improved slate of games continues, is going to be their defense. 
I think especially with how well the defense has played, they have this asphyxiation with going uh, winning games 42-6, to six, allowing just six points in back-to-back games, especially against ranked Colorado. The, uh, the Ducks, with Kyrie Jackson, who transferred over from Alabama, have really, really played well on defense. Kind of going back to Landing's identity, Landing's, who was who a defensive-minded coach, he really has the Ducks playing well, and that's going to be especially important as they go into these tougher games, especially against Washington, who's Michael Penix Jr. We'll talk about him later. He's unbelievable, and that offense is really driving. So it's going to be a big, big matchup, especially going forward, as well as games against USC and then Oregon State with that rushing attack. Really going to test out the Ducks going later on this year. The Ducks have some tests coming up and some tests coming up quickly. I mean, Oregon's next three games are against, are against number 7 Washington, undefeated, number 13 Washington State, undefeated, and number 18 Utah have one loss. So the Ducks' next three opponents have a combined one loss. And that's just the strength of the Pac-12 in its last year. And it's a conference that people anticipated being good, but maybe not people saw being this good. And Owen's actually taken a pretty deep dive into the conference this year and how good it's been. Owen, can you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, it's almost a little bit ironic, right? That in blowing up this conference, you've gotten the best of it. Um, but this this is what everybody wanted from the Pac-12. This is teams at their best. This is multiple Heisman contenders. This is playoff contenders. This is people who are going to be in the NFL next year. It's all here. And that's what makes people want to watch it. That That is why they're watching for entertainment value and it might have the highest entertainment value in college football right now talked about this a little bit in an article recently but you know you've got three guys caleb williams defending heisman champion michael Penix jr and bo nix who will go head-to-head next week who all will play each other as contenders for the heisman and that's something you don't see super often usually you've got guys kind of spread across the nation and you're trying to compare them but you've never seen them go head-to-head like that and we have the opportunity to see all these guys play against each other and it feels like a super league kind of deal it, it absolutely does and it's one that people kind of saw coming but not quite to the extent that it's at i mean last year it felt like there were three or four teams that could have been competing for the pac-12 championship obviously utah ended up beating usc and both the, both those teams deserved to be in that game but oregon was right on the outside looking in washington could have been in that conversation too and oregon state even got hot late in the year and all of those teams are off to great starts this year, as well as Washington State, as well as Colorado with Deion Sanders, like surprising a lot of people. Um, Arizona looks a little bit better. Cal's a little bit better than we anticipated. Like the conference is just, it's good. And it's, I'm, I'm wondering if some of the big 12 schools that are looking at when Colorado and Utah and Arizona and Arizona State join that conference next year, are they going, man, we got some powerhouses coming into town. Yeah, I mean, it almost feels like it's a matured version of last year's conference. Like a lot of these teams seem a lot more sure of themselves, right? In moments where last year maybe they would have made rash decisions with players, coaches, anything like that. They feel more assured of themselves this year. And I think that's what's really contributed to the just explosion in scoring and close games and everything we've seen this year. And we'll continue to see. Yeah, I mean, this conference is just, it, it's elite right now. At one point this year, it had eight ranked teams for the first time in, and last time in conference history. And it had four top 10 teams, I think, a week ago, which was the first time that had ever happened before. So as the Pac-12 implodes, it's having the best season it's ever had. Now, do we think all the teams, all these powerhouses in it are just going to eat at each other? Or is there one team in this conference that is just slightly above all the rest and can 
avoid the cycle that we see every year of Pac-12 eating Pac-12. I think it's Pac-12 eats Pac-12 yet again. In the best, in the final year, it would be fitting that this is how it ends. I feel like no team is head and shoulders above the rest, especially with the late schedules, with the, all the ranked teams playing each other. Yeah, USC went and played against Arizona State, but uh, that game was a lot closer than people thought it was going to be. I think USC has Arizona this weekend, but Arizona's a team that can sneak around and beat someone. I mean, Arizona held Washington to 31 points, and that was a seven-point game just a week ago. Uh, this conference is just as dangerous and just as harmful to itself as it's ever been. But what do you two think? Uh, conference eat conference? I mean, I think the one advantage that I've seen people talk about with Oregon is that they're a more complete team than, you know, a Washington or a USC who we're very worried about their defenses primarily, right? That's what we're talking about going into this game next weekend. That's what we saw with USC's game against Colorado, right? They let them kind of sneak in late where Oregon kind of has kept that. We talked about six points in the last two games they've kind of been able to hold teams at arm's length. And that's the, if I was going to pick out an advantage for Oregon um, ahead of any other team, that's where I would go. I'd go that they're a more complete team. It's it's a pretty complete team. I don't know. Lily, is Oregon head and shoulders above the rest or I don't think middle they're, of the pack? Yeah, I don't think they're head and shoulders above the rest. Um, but I think Oregon football has looked really good to start the season I mean they're undefeated for a reason but they have their tough they're probably their toughest slate of games are still ahead of them um, and that will be the true test but they definitely right now as it stands are our top three team in the Pac-12 I, yeah I completely agree yeah I feel like this upcoming game against Washington is really going to exploit a lot of what Oregon's relied on. I mean, I feel like so far this year, Oregon's really dominated in every game, really, except that Texas Tech game. They've dominated at one point or another. And a lot of that has to do with just how complete that team is. I feel like the defense is thriving, the running backs, the quarterback, every, everything has come together as a whole, and Oregon's really thrive with that. They've remained healthy, too. And Noah Whittington going down this year has kind of hurt. Just It feels like Going forward, especially against this tough slate of games, Noah Whittington's injury is really going to exploit uh, just how deep Oregon is, especially with Bucky Irving having such a great year, Jordan James having a breakout year. They're going to have to sustain this dominance, especially going against a tough slate of games. If the Ducks keep winning conference games 42-6, to it's going to be the greatest season that a college football team has ever had. But it's just, it's not that sustainable, I don't think. But I think one blessing for the Ducks and, quite frankly, the Huskies is that this huge top 10 clash is happening so early in the conference season. We were just talking about this before we started recording. A lot of times with the college football playoff as well as the rankings, it's not if you lose so much as it as when you lose. So this game, early enough in the season, a loss teams could still build back from it. I think Oregon could afford to lose in Washington this week, still find itself in a Pac-12 championship, still find itself in the playoff. I think a loss later in the year is going to be harder to bounce back from. So if the Ducks are going to lose a game, it needs to be this one. But the defense, I think, is a step above Washington's. What's been so great about the defense this year? It's really just been a bunch of guys stepping up. I mean, Kyrie Jackson's having an all-time year. He's been unbelievable, especially against Colorado and their deep wide receiver room. He's really stood out to me. 
he's really just locked down whoever he's been guarding and the defensive line especially we wrote an article about that this past week has been really really good especially against going against some tougher uh tougher opponents with uh Colorado it feels like the Ducks are really just firing on all cylinders and the defense is a huge part of that just they've been limiting their teams and it's really going to come to a test against Washington the the Ducks they played great against Colorado, and Colorado has a great offense, but this Washington team might just be a little bit different. So it's going to be a good test coming up this next weekend. Does this game feel like it's kind of at the—we've talked about it, it's at the perfect time to lose. Does it feel like it's at the perfect time that they've built up just enough strength to win? I, th- I think I think so. I think it's a tricky game because it's going to be the hardest task that either of these two teams have faced this year. Yes, Colorado— Colorado game was a ranked game, but I think the Buffaloes have proven that they weren't the team that the media said that they were. It's a it's a perfect game to lose. Man, it feels better if you come out of Seattle with a win. Absolutely. But there's this game that people are talking about. There's the quarterbacks. There's the Heisman. There's hurt running backs. There's good running backs. But I think what everyone's really talking about right now with Oregon football is quite possibly the greatest uniform drop we've ever seen. If you haven't seen it yet, it's just, it's beautiful. It's a perfect throwback, yellow helmet, green jersey with the old Donald Duck looking mascot running through the O It with yellow pants. I mean, it is phenomenal. Is it the best Oregon jersey out there? I mean, that's tough. I mean, the competition is tough. There's been a lot of great Oregon uniforms, but I think in terms of throwbacks, like, this has got to be the best one. I mean, the colors look so good together. And, yeah, I think every Oregon fan's going to want to get their hands on one of those jerseys. There was a lot of talk when the eggshells came out. There was a lot of debate over some people thought the eggshell uniforms looked great. Some people thought that they looked ridiculous. Personally, I love them. Not so much seeing that same reaction. Everything that I've seen about these new organ throwbacks, I mean, new throwbacks is a bit of a oxymoron, but it that's what they are. And it sounds like people are just really excited for it. But are they better than the eggshells? I think so. I think they just have a cleaner look, um, which is what really, really excites me about them. It's What's really hard to do with the throwback uniform is make it look just that little bit modern that kind of pulls it out of the past and into today. I think they've done that really well. I mean, Nike, obviously, they've done a lot of work with the Ducks. They've had a lot of chances to kind of experiment with what these colors and what that color range can look like, but I think this is the perfect balance. I'm excited, too, because the helmet has the old UO logo, which I think finally when people watch this game, they'll be able to go, oh, Oregon's UO, not OU. I hear it all the time. OU, OU. Maybe putting a big old UO logo on the helmet is what Oregon needs to solidify itself from OU, which of course, Oklahoma, great program down there too. But OU's had that OU helmet logo for a long time, maybe a UO logo. I'm down for it. Imagine if they like themed the stadium out too, like you replace that big O in the middle with the UO. I think it'd be cool. I think it'd be great. But OU, UO, OSU. Oregon State to Ohio State. We've got the Big Ten schedule that was released this week. And we now know Oregon's conference opponents for the next five seasons. And there are some new matchups, some new opponents who the Ducks have never played before. We're going to get Oregon-Maryland for the first time ever. We're going to get Oregon-Rutgers for the first time ever. I mean, next year, 
Home games at Autzman Stadium, Illinois, Maryland, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Washington on the road against Wisconsin, Purdue, UCLA, and the big house, Ducks at Wolverines, Oregon, Michigan. Is that the most exciting Oregon Big Ten matchup, or is there another team in the conference that you're excited to watch? The thing that stood out for me for the schedule for the next couple of years, just first of all, was that Oregon Washington rivalry is still intact. Um, I feel like it's cheating to say that's what I'm most excited for. Uh, we play Washington every year before this. We're going to keep playing them every year, but I am just so glad that survived. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it's tough to go against Michigan, but I just love, I love seeing the Ducks play Ohio State. So having them in Eugene against the Ducks first year, I, I just can't wait. That, that, series that game that rivalry is going to be an awesome one to watch personally growing up in colorado i was growing up when colorado nebraska was still a rivalry so that that rivalry that i have with the corn huskers still runs deep so i'm excited for oregon nebraska i think that's going to be one that maybe not a lot of people are too thrilled about but maybe it's just the Colorado, the Coloradan in me, but I'm excited for Oregon, Nebraska. I think that those are two pretty cool stadiums, two storied franchises, and that's one that I'm that I'm really looking forward to. I think when Oregon sometime down the line goes to Penn State, I think that will be my favorite. I mean, you see all those videos online with Penn State and their whiteout. I think nothing says big time, big ten, like a whiteout game, and I look forward to seeing what they can do when, when they play in that environment. Yeah, I mean, we talked about earlier with the Pac-12, like kind of this season being like a super conference, like the Big Ten, that's going to be a super conference. And yeah, I would have to agree. I think I'm most looking forward to seeing Ohio State in Eugene had that big, the Ducks had that big win at Ohio State a couple years ago. Um, And now now the Buckeyes will will be in Eugene and Autzen Stadium. So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd about stadiums. Um, I remember walking to, into somewhere like Austin Stadium. I'm from Seattle, so walking into Lumen Field, and that, that makes me really happy. So I think really what I'm excited about with this move is the chance to go somewhere like the Big House or the Shoe and just walk into a place like that and, and look at it with an Oregon team winning in it. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's so exciting. From a competitive standpoint, that conference is going to be unbelievable. And with the 12-team playoff next year, it might be one that – Oregon can maybe afford to lose a game, maybe two, and still make the playoff. And I, I think it's going to be a, a good scenario for all. But Oregon, obviously not going to be in the same conference as in-state rival Oregon State anymore. But there's rumors that the matchup, the rivalry, could still continue throughout the season just as a non-conference game. Would you like to see that remain, or are we good with leaving the Beavers behind completely? I absolutely hope the Oregon State versus Oregon rivalry remains. It feels like it just feels so Oregon that these two teams play together. And Oregon's new presidentials has been consistent that he wants the Ducks and the Beavers to remain playing at the end of every year. It just feels right in Oregon and something that I would look, hope to see remain. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Oregon, and even before I really cared that much about sports it's like everyone's tuning in to the Oregon Oregon State rivalry and so I think that's something that they need to keep intact because that's it's just such a big part of the sports culture in Oregon and even even when both teams are not their strongest it's still lots of fun for the state to watch 
Yeah, I mean, I think one of the criticisms of going to the Big Ten is that you're losing a little bit of that history that you've built in the Pac-12. I think keeping that Oregon State rivalry alive erases a little bit of that. There'll still be these concerns, but you get the chance to build new rivalries and kind of hold onto your history a little bit there. Keeping that rivalry alive with Oregon State, I think it has to be one of the top priorities. I mean, that is that game where you see both teams at their best. They do not want to lose. Neither team wants to lose that game ever. And you can say that about any game, but that's a game they show up for every year. And keeping that game around, I think, is just really important for the history of Oregon sports. Um because that is a rivalry that when you grow up in Oregon, you grow up hearing about. Even if you don't pay attention to football, even if you're not from Corvallis or Eugene, you know about the Ducks versus the Beavers. It's just a historic rivalry, and I, I hope it sticks around. I completely agree. The Ducks, if you ask them, they'd say we can't worry about the Beavers right now. We've got another rival up north to worry about. Ducks, Huskies, this upcoming Saturday, going to be... A huge game, arguably one of the biggest games that these two teams have played against each other in years. Last year, Washington came down into Autzen, kind of blew up the Ducks' season a little bit, left some pain. Ducks now with a chance to go fix it, redeem it, and quiet some of the noise up in Seattle in Washington next Saturday. I think it's going to be an incredible game. I'm excited for it. Um, but to close off the show today, give me one key or X factor, one one person, one thing that's going to matter in this game, and then give me your score prediction. Yeah, I mean, looking at the matchup just on paper, you got four sides of the ball. You got Oregon offense, Washington offense, Oregon defense, Washington defense, and I think that so far this year, the only question mark that's there is that Washington defense. And I think that Oregon's defense has proven that they can make good offensive teams look bad. And Washington is a step above uh, any other team that Oregon has matched up against so far. But Washington's defense also allowed, you know, a seven-point game against Arizona. And so I think if the Ducks' offense can go out and play uh, to the best of their abilities and their defense can do the same, I think Oregon's going to have that edge uh, just because their both sides of the ball is better than Washington's both sides. Man, I mean, I want to say forty-two-six, but looking at it realistically, it's. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a tough game. Um, but I think Oregon walks out with probably, like thirty-eight twenty-eight, maybe forty-one thirty-one, about two possession, maybe one possession game. Yeah, I mean, I've I'm from Seattle. I've been to a couple Huskies games. I think what's really important is quieting the crowd there. They call it the greatest setting in college football. I think if Oregon can go out early, quiet it down. That's when they'll go to work. That's when they're able to really put these drives together. We just see it pile on top of each other. And so for that reason, I think they quite them early. I think we get 42-6 for the third time in a row. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Joe that I think um, this is all about the defense. Um, Oregon's defense has been fairly solid to start this year, but they haven't played as strong of an offense as Washington. And in comparison, I mean... Both teams coming off the bye week in Washington, allowing Arizona to put up 24 on the board. So that's that's going to be a questionable defense to to go up against Bo Nix in the Oregon offense. So I think it's going to be close. I agree, one score, but I'm going to have Oregon on top, maybe 
35, 28 ducks. It's got to be bodacious. When you have billboards before the year that say bodacious on North Street, it's for games like this. It's not for games against Hawaii. And, you know, I think Bo, Bo Nix announces his Heisman candidacy to the world this time, throws for four touchdowns, run for another, runs for another, Oregon wins 37-30, and they go for two. And they go for two. It's been a theme this year. And, Lily, like you said, Washington's defense, bit of a question mark. I liked what you mentioned about they gave up some points to Arizona. They also gave up a lot of yards to Cal. When Cal played, yes, Washington won 59-32, but the Golden Bears had 502 total yards of offense. And if that's the defense that shows up to this game, like you said, Bodacious is going to take over. My X factor for this game is penalties. Penalties have been an issue for Oregon this year. It's something Lanning's been persistent about. It's something people have been critical of. There's been too many holding calls. There's been way too many false starts. There's been some some pass interference penalties at the wrong times. I think the team that makes fewer mistakes and fewer penalties in this game is going to be the one to come out on top. Now, we've seen how Oregon prepares for big games. Dominated Colorado. This is a big game. I'd like to think that Oregon has the same kind of preparation. I'd like to think Lanning gets his squad ready for this one like he did for the Buffaloes. I think Oregon comes out of Seattle with a 45-40 to victory and rides 6-0 and into Parents Weekend when they wear those beautiful, beautiful throwback jerseys against Washington State. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for sitting down with the sports dorks. We'll be back in a couple weeks recapping this Oregon-Washington game, as well as talking about how that Oregon-Washington State game goes and looking ahead as Oregon still has a lot of big games, big moments on its horizon.